0: Imagine a team where trust is non-existent, where every action is met with skepticism. Every word is doubted and collaboration is hindered by constant fear. Now ask yourself, how would this team thrive? How would innovation flourish? How would individuals reach their fullest potential? Trust is not just a luxury, but an essential foundation for success. So how can we nurture and cultivate trust within our teams? The neuroscientist and researcher Paul Zak Uh, learned quite a bit from his study of high trust organizational cultures. And he said, compared with people at low trust companies, people at high trust companies report 74% less stress, 106% more energy at work, 50% higher productivity, 13% fewer sick days, 76% more engagement, 29% more satisfaction with their lives, 40% less burnout and also by the way, it perpetuates joy. Experiments show that having a sense of higher purpose actually stimulates oxytocin production as does trust. Trust and purpose then mutually reinforce each other, providing a mechanism for extended oxytocin release, which produces happiness. So as Zach writes, joy on the job comes from doing purpose driven work with a trusted team. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio, and this is Kedron Crosby. Our intention for the Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on trust and we want to explore this really desperate need for trust on our teams and how we can build that trust, how we can get to a much better place than we are now. So, Kedron, I'd like to know, why did you want to talk about this? I feel very lucky
1: that every day I have opportunities to work with leaders, usually in the C-suite, and I get to hear what their pain points are, what they're struggling with this week. And so... The Behaviorist has been this wonderful outlet where I can collectively listen to our clients, and then we can talk on the weekends and give some, uh, give some big answers to the waves that we're seeing, phenomena that we're seeing. So I, I definitely would say that over the last month or two, um, almost on a daily basis, I'm hearing from leaders who are feeling that, A, their team's maybe aren't trusting them, or B, they aren't trusting their teams. And Mm -hmm. so I thought this was a good conversation for us to have. Some of that might be uh, residual pandemic uh, decisions that perhaps eroded trust. Some of it might be the great resignation and that we're all a little bit twitchy and (laughs) not so sure who's gonna stick around um, with that epic churn that happened for years um some of it might be remote work that we're we're having to learn some new habits around uh hybrid work or remote work and now it seems like just about everybody's coming back to the office so how do we how do we um reform relationships uh in person as well so it could be all those things. It could be the massive layoffs that have been happening mm-hmm. in the tech yeah. sector. It could be the predictions for a Q4 recession. I'm not sure why, but we're definitely hearing um, that yeah. trust is an opportunity for us to improve our teams right now.
0: So what do you mean by trust? Because I think we it's a pretty abstract word. We, we know it's a good thing, mm-hmm. but how do you how do you think about it
1: yeah the definition of trust that i use most regularly with our clients is one from rachel botsman and she is the trust fellow at oxford university and so she's really spending her career trying to understand trust and how we build trust and how we repair trust and so she has this beautiful definition which is that trust is a confident relationship with the unknown
0: that's so good
1: so if i trust you i i can uh trust that you will take me into the future um, that we have this relationship with what is uncertain and i imagine that you will carry me into that place reliably consistently I always think about when uh, Tommy our son who's now 23 was maybe a year old and we were taking these classes at the YWCA and uh, he was learning how to swim and he would be in the deep end and he would just you know the kid could barely walk but he would (laughs) just jump propel his body uh, into my arms in the deep end he did not know how swim but he had a confident relationship with that unknown with water uh that i wasn't going to let him drown that i was going to take care of him so so he trusted me so that's that's the definition that i really like you know it's it's this invisible force that emboldens us to take that step or maybe even that leap Mm -hmm. (laughs) towards uncertainty i love that it's so clarifying it is so clarifying, and it's much bigger than how many of us perceive trust. When sometimes when I talk to people about trust, I think the definition feels limiting because they're often thinking about, you know, will this person keep my secrets? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I share my secrets with this other person? Can I trust them? And. And Brene Brown has beautiful work on on trust and braving, and this vault is the V and mm-hmm. braving. And you know, if I if I share something that's vulnerable with me, will you keep it, or are you gonna slip it out the back door of the vault? Um, that's one aspect of mm-hmm. trust, but it folds into this larger relationship with the unknown, mm-hmm. and of course. That's what leadership is. Right? Can people have a confident relationship with us that they will jump into the big deep end mm-hmm. of you know, something that's scary and they believe that we will catch them?
0: Yeah. The definition definitely makes sense for teams and for organizations so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So we really, both of us, are big fans of... Ann Morris and Francis Fry, Mm -hmm. and the work that they've done on trust. And they talk a little bit about not just the definition so much, but the drivers of trust, what makes us trust other people. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And, um, you know, March
1: 2020 was hard for well, us and everybody else <laughs> no. on the planet, but the best thing that happened was um, Frances Fry's article came out in Harvard Business Review. Uh, it begins with trust, and so she elegantly took all of her research and knowledge of of trust uh, and distilled it into this triangle. Yeah. And so. Um, it's fantastic for so many reasons because it can help us diagnose when we have uh when that confident relationship with the unknown has eroded it can help us to point with precision to why that has eroded so the triangle has these three points and each of the points is one of the key drivers of trust and it will build trust or it will erode trust. <laughs> so um, the first one is authenticity. Mm. So if in fact we are who we say we are, and we're not shining it on, uh, we're not someone who we're not. We're not. We're not a shapeshifter. You know, we're we're actually uh, authentic and honest. Then we trust that person. We will trust someone who's authentic. Conversely, if someone is inauthentic. We will lose trust with them, and she calls that a wobble, you mm. know, um, and we can stabilize that wobble. If we realize we have a authenticity wobble, mm-hmm. we can take measures to change our language and our behavior to become more congruent and authentic, and then people will trust us again. The second um, is judgment or logic, so that driver is uh, do our syllogisms line up? <laughs> if this, then that. You know, are we consistent with how we reason? And so, of course, we trust people who have good judgment and logic. Um, and we we lose trust if there's a logic wobble. It doesn't mean they're evil. <laughs> it just means they've got a wobble there, something to become aware of, and then to stabilize. And then the third one is empathy and so uh, does this person have your best interest in their heart and do they even maybe go to the next level of compassion and change their behavior so that um, you feel that uh, that they care for you so if someone is not empathetic towards us we lose trust in them and so those are the three drivers and Very helpful tool on Teams, Um, maybe rather than saying something that's a bomb, like, (laughs) I don't trust you, (laughs) uh, maybe use some specificity and Mm -hmm. say, I think you might have a logic wobble. Your optimism is not serving you because you say you can get this report done by Wednesday and you never do. So let's stabilize that logic wobble. Yeah. And, and so it helps people to continue evolving. Yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Well, so in the introduction, I spent some time talking about the benefits of trust within teams, within organizations. Unbelievably wonderful benefits. Mm-hmm. More happiness, more joy, more high performance. People stay in the job longer. Creativity. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So it seems like, okay, We that's enough of a motivator. And then we talked a little bit about what we actually mean by it. So now that we know what we know about trust, what's the next step? How can we use this information to benefit our teams mm-hmm. um, and our workplaces so we can have more meaning, more joy?
1: Yeah, and you know, I I I'm so glad you're asking these questions, and we're we're sharing this knowledge. Um, and I, I want to make sure that people understand it's not just for leaders, yeah. but if you're on a team at all, you can use this knowledge uh, to better the the life of that team. So I think that there are at least three tools. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we call them elements that you can put into your trust toolbox so that you can become more skillful as a leader or a teammate in fostering trust so it's work wisdom so you know i'm (laughs) gonna say this Uh, we gotta you know know thyself right? right Yep. so um we need to it's helpful to know some frameworks and have some knowledge, but then also to become self-aware. Mm-hmm. The, the two frameworks that I think are really essential in the modern workplace are, or, are that trust triangle, understanding yeah. those three drivers of trust, what erodes trust, and then being conversant on your team about those three and being able to give and receive feedback around those three, um, because it's so critical. But there's another one that's um, Erin Myers wrote an incredible book called The Culture Map, where she studies different societies, different cultures, and it really applies to organizational cultures, too. And she looks at these eight different dimensions of culture. And one of them has to do with our orientation to trust. And so uh, you can see it as a continuum, and you can imagine this continuum, and at one end of the continuum, what is normal in some cultures, organizationally or societally, is that we we feel trust uh, based on the relationship. So we have a, a relationship orientation to trust. That means if you have lunch with me and you ask about my kids and you care about me when I'm sick and you you care about the connection and the quality of the connection between me and you then I will trust you at the other end of the continuum (laughs) Mm -hmm. is a task orientation so some societies some organizational cultures some families you know um trust is built on tasks so if you complete the tasks that you say that you're going to complete if you do it accurately and reliably and consistently then I will trust you (laughs) Um, and so it's fascinating to think about this but uh, we have to understand ourselves and where we on this continuum and we also have to understand our teammates and then we have to be able to have conversations um, sometimes even laughing ones um (laughs) and and we need to think about how do we recalibrate our behavior if i have someone on my team who is highly relational um i might spend a little more time talking with them about their weekends and about what's important to them so that they have that confident relationship with the unknown with me Um, i personally am more task-oriented so I think everybody on our team knows that very well, and it's good that they
0: know that. Yeah, I, I think it's always so surprising how with this element, people seem to know almost immediately where they are in the continuum. They're so personally aware, mm-hmm. but when we do that exercise where we have people stand, you know, in different parts of the room to, to show where they are in that continuum, there's a surprise there where they they know where they are, but they look around at their colleagues and they're like, oh, okay. That explains everything. Yeah, yeah, you're over there and I'm over here. Um, And it's
1: neither good nor bad, but it's just the water we're swimming in. Um, And we
0: can change too, of course. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, and like you said, we have to do that. It's a little bit of a translation, Mm -hmm. doing the translating, okay, if this person really resonates with that kind of trust then it's a back and a forth mm-hmm. so i need to understand that right i mean yeah
1: I-, I mean it's it's like with everything okay we have more knowledge let's let it seep into our awareness and then once we're aware of it it's just a much gentler shift in behavior mm-hmm. because we know that yeah. about them and we know what's going to uh get them to high performance. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think that I think that would be the first you know, if if I was which I suppose that's what we're doing here is to, trying to be helpful to our listeners, the first aspect of how do we improve trust on our teams so we get to all of this incredible fruit? I would say learn those two frameworks, learn where you're at, learn where your teammates are at. And then use them. So that would be the first one. This the second element. Did you want to ask me something? Yeah, else? I,
0: did, I, okay. I did. Before we move to the second one, I wanted to ask about the three drivers of trust: authenticity, logic, and judgment, and then empathy. D- do you think that the just like with the continuum, do you think that people prioritize those differently on teams? Like, do you think that could be a cause of conflict, too, or wobbles, too, if I really prioritize empathy, but somebody else might really prioritize <laughs> logic and reasoning? And so we might have a problem if we don't consider the same ones important, maybe?
1: Yeah, I I think this is um, extremely True, and we always uh, have to think about where is this coming from? So am I okay. speaking with, you know, what is their primary motivation? What is their life's experience? Um, what is their Enneagram type? You know, what <laughs> yeah. is their uh, What is their priority <clears throat> value? And so once we can frame where is this person mm-hmm. coming from, um, we may recalibrate yeah um so but to answer your question do i think different people prioritize the three drivers differently absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so i i I mean i think even within our own team we probably have some people that empathy is uh, trump's you know uh authenticity Mm -hmm. we definitely have people who you know authenticity trumps judgment Mm -hmm. um and so all three of them are important yeah but just like with values we have them in different different priority order yeah
0: okay okay so that one that first tool i think is really helpful just knowing your trust orientation and where other people on your team where their orientation where that sits. So what's the second one? I interrupted you before you got to talk about the second one.
1: Yeah. And, um, the second one has to do with candor, I would say very much expectations. So I think a lot of trust could be improved if we could have clearer expectations with each other and that we talk about, um, what's important. And so whether it's radical candor, and we're thinking about Kim Scott's work of being that we're caring personally for each other, but we Mm -hmm. are definitely challenging each other directly. Mm -hmm. And we're setting those expectations up front. um, I think we're going to have fewer trust wobbles. I think that's really important. Um, Or, you know, I think a lot about Heidi Grant's work around the neuroscience of leading people through periods of uncertainty and even leading yourself through mm-hmm. a period of uncertainty. And one of the three uh, tactics that she recommends is candor. You know, when we yeah. are going through something that's scary and hard and uncertain, that having candor is one of the most critical things that we can do. So, how can we speak uh, clearly? With as much specificity as possible, painting the picture of what could be, what we want to see, um, and just being as honest as possible. So I think candor is is the second element of of how we can prevent trust from eroding. You know, I think about our our method of the gap. Yeah. So if anybody's interested or hasn't heard of it they might want to go onto our youtube or our vimeo channels and watch a animated short that you drew um on our practice called the gap which is where we very explicitly Mm -hmm. say up front what the expectation is and then we um ensure that we talk to the other person and say hey does this work for you is this realistic um can you make this happen and you have that moment of buy-in, mm-hmm. um, and then if if there's a, a wobble and <laughs> they fail to meet that expectation, at least you can come back to them and say, "Hey, you know, we had set this as the expectation." Mm-hmm. So I think it's also really important that we're humble too. You know, if we haven't been candid, we're we're here in Lancaster County, and there seems to it might be in the water that we want to be more ruinous. Uh, ruinously empathetic yeah. than radically candid because yeah. we don't want to hurt each other. It, yeah. it comes from a place of love but ultimately right, clear as kind as Brene Brown would say so um, so I think that if we have failed to set the expectation and then the other person uh, you you feel like oh what's wrong with them I can't trust them anymore mm-hmm. I think we need to go back and say, is this on me? Like, did I set that expectation yeah. Yeah. or did I just blow right past it? And I just thought they could read my mind.
0: That's what I was going to say. It, and it goes back to Aaron Meyer, the those different dimensions of culture and communication. Yeah. And like low context mm-hmm. communication is really direct mm-hmm. and probably fits into being candid mm-hmm. and clear. Um, but But high context is like you're, you can read my mind. (laughs) You don't, you do know what I want. And if there isn't an understanding of that, we're going to have, we're going to have a problem, aren't we? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Yeah. So that's the second one, being candid. What's the third thing?
1: This might not be popular. Um, I think it's important if we're really trying to create norms for trust on a team that we know when to fold them, to quote <laughs> uh, oh. Kenny Rogers. okay, You know, that, um, that there may be people who either are not capable of trusting um, or are not trustworthy. Yeah. And just as we've talked about on this podcast before, um, when we've talked about talent density, I think the aim is trust density.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: So, so what what does it look like to build a high trust team? Um, and that may mean that people who are not capable of stabilizing their wobbles mm-hmm. um, need to move away. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, I, I, we in one of our offices here at uh, Work Wisdom, we have a my Angelou quote, Painted beautifully by our friend Ayana. And it says, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Yeah. Um, now we have a value of compassion. So it might be the second or third or 13th time. Yeah. But um, so I think that's important information. We can't, yeah. we can't ignore that, you know. And then I think there are also people who have a disposition to be very skeptical. cynical that they don't trust and as as a teammate um or a leader try not to be too neurotic about it you know (laughs) it might not be you it might not be you it might be them yeah so you might do everything on the planet to have you know incredible authenticity and incredible judgment and incredible empathy Mm -hmm. and they still might not trust you yeah but that might be that might be them yeah so i I think those are important things to think about you know there's this thing that you and i joke about uh, um maybe it's not joking (laughs) but uh we've never really talked about it but this this special kind of toxic yeah we've talked about so um well do you want to talk about a special kind of toxic? What, what constitutes a special kind of
0: toxic? The, uh, well, the way that we were <laughs> talking about it is, that I think that when it comes to trust, there is elements that seem trustworthy with the person, but that in reality, mm. it's it's not. It doesn't really hold water. Mm. So, an example of this would be. This is like a red flag in relationships. And, and I think um, Kimberly Piper talked about this on a podcast, uh, which is common enemy intimacy. Mm-hmm. This would be an example of like maybe a surprising, it seems like you're having this intimacy, this trust between each other because you're self-disclosing. I don't like this person because of this. And they say, I don't like them either because of this. And it seems like you're connecting, and you're trusting each other with this information, um, but in reality, it's it doesn't it doesn't hold water. It's not it's not really a safe place. It's not a good place. So I always think of that as kind of an example of a special kind of toxic. Yeah, where we don't think of the person as toxic necessarily they might seem really nice mm-hmm. um, they might seem really trustworthy but in in all reality they're not
1: yeah it's an insidious um
0: special kind of toxic I, isn't it i i think so too because it you think uh yeah you they're think so it's fine great. yeah,
1: yeah I, I think i've seen a special kind of toxic where um they hold power because they give you really critical feedback Mm -hmm. that's unhelpful but it builds their dependence on you on it builds your dependence on them yeah because you feel they are courageous they shared this thing about me and i now have to depend on them yeah to fix me and it's just yeah special kind of toxic yeah Yeah, yeah we'll we'll maybe need to dig into
0: that again it's manipulative it it is it's it's really scary i think that you know there are more maybe obvious examples of when there's not trust um something that we talk in our workshop called relate which is about having those helpful relationships fostering those relationships in the workplace you know um there are things like um being overly critical and uh being defensive and um you know dislike of of other people and and that coming up again and again and again um and when we see that as like a common thread in the dynamic of the relationship that's a heads up like okay you probably should have some boundaries and keep your distance as much as you can and don't don't self-disclose don't rely on them um the same way you would somebody else but the the special kind of toxic you have to have i feel like you need to have a little more uh, insight and and really notice um so there's a balance there to that um but speaking of that i i was re-watch, re-watching uh, the first season of Ted Lasso mm. and Rebecca confesses to Ted how she's been undermining him and he says to her, I forgive you. Mm. And and I started crying. I saw it, I mean I've already seen it, but it made me cry. Like we three uh, or four times, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I but so that brings me to the question where what is the role of forgiveness here in trust? I
1: think think it's always wise to forgive. I think yeah. we forgive them every time. Yeah. And also, what might be true, is that they move away from the team. Mm-hmm. So we can forgive them for being inauthentic or having terrible judgment or um, not being empathetic. We can even forgive people for doing evil things. Yeah. Um, and, for the benefit of the company, the team, and yourself, it's helpful to yeah. to roll up the car window, as we yeah. say <laughs> at work wisdom, to put up a boundary mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that you're creating a a trust dense yeah. team yeah. and environment so that you can have the psychological safety and all of the fruit and benefit that you you had talked about before. yeah. Okay, that's helpful. I, I mean, the forgiveness is for you. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, it's it's going to help you be happy and healthy and mm-hmm. sleep better, and so um, that's the best thing you can do for you. And having a boundary may be the best thing you can
0: do for the team. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm grateful to you for being part of this movement of helping others in the workplace, enhance their individual and collective team performance. I think this topic is really important for that. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions. You can ask questions and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a quote. This time it's from Francis Fry. If we learn how to trust one another, we can have unprecedented human progress.